Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are and if you do don't forget to subscribe recommend it to a friend leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think and yeah really hope you enjoy this episode Right, we're back with another Q&A episode, the second Q&A episode of the Midnight Pod and probably the 37th-ish episode. Um, I think this episode might be sponsored by potential sponsors that we've just signed up, which is good. We're taking the fucking pod more seriously, turning this thing into a business, monetizing everyone that's listening um, aggressively. And as usual, we're back with, well, as before, we're back with Jack and Salvi. Version two, doing the flat, flat chores. Uh, yeah. co-host yeah the fucking Q&A co-host we'll probably do one of these like I don't know once every month and I thought it was relevant to do the second Q&A because I'm like a month since launching Space Goods there's a lot of people that follow this shit know some of those questions on there or about that and a bunch of other things and yeah Q&A's are just easy album fillers because it's way easier to do ourselves than get another guest on because we've officially reached the point where well we I've officially reached the point where <laughs> Everyone I know has been rinsed and has been on the pod, so we need to start outreaching to people and shit, and it's becoming a bit more difficult and work, but um, yeah, these Q&As are interesting. Yeah, I reckon, I think last I'll time- I'll probably ask you a few as well. Yeah, last time we longed out a few questions, so we'll, we'll try and do some quick fire ones and then go deeper into the more lengthy ones. Yeah, and That'd some be, we didn't answer from last time, and there's some new ones. Yeah, mix so and match. Make, try and make sure we didn't, don't do the same questions again. Yeah, 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 I can't remember. Um, all right, well, well, we'll kick off then with, uh, this is an interesting one because we, we've talked about it a lot in terms of you launching Space Goods. I guess now everyone kind of wants to hear how it's going in the sense of like what you're comfortable with revenue-wise and like how you're approaching it. And this one, this one of these questions is what your approach is to paid traffic and influencers um, and are you comfortable losing money? Yes, I think to touch on the first point, people saying how it's going. Um, it genuinely has gone well. It's gone probably, probably as I'd hoped. There was a good and like organic response, obviously, but like organic, I just kind of didn't really count anyway because it's not sustainable or scalable. But then in terms of like ad spending, shit started aggressively testing, running on TikTok, Google, and Facebook. So I just kept it pretty simple, working with a solid agency who I trust. Um, and yeah, it's starting to scale up. We're spending like a grand a day. What was the question? We're spending like a grand a day on ads. Well, yeah, now. I mean, it was just about, you know. The like- main issue is stock. Like, only launched with 3,000 units, which is only 150 grand worth of revenue. So, yeah, I'm intentionally holding back on spend right now. So, like, the numbers are looking good, given it's brand new. It's one product and it's like a new market. So, what, what was it? Does that so, the now the second thing was basically about um, how you're. Well, it said, are you comfortable losing money essentially with this starting phase? 
And you know, yeah, we, we have spoken about this, like the you know the momentum first kind of approach. Yeah, like I definitely am comfortable, like like three sets back, five sets forward, sort of in a way, because mm. obviously I've, I've already paid for the stock. So even if like my triple L numbers, first little plug there, even if my triple L dashboard <laughs> is like a net profit loss on the day, you know, I'm not I'm not like cash net loss because yeah. I've already bought the stock and I've already bought. 8,000 units we've got another 5k coming so yeah I suppose I, I'm happy to a level to be losing money like the CPA is looking good and obviously considering a lot of people are subscribing or will subscribe because it's a consumable product so bearing that in mind I think you're in a unique position where you've done this before multiple times so it's very much a fail fast mentality because there's no point like when you first start out obviously you want to kind of take it slow because you don't know what's going to happen and whatever but you'd rather have data quick so you know what's working, what's not, and yeah. spe- spend more, get momentum. And that's what I think, like being comfortable losing money, that question comes into it because it's like you are for now. Yeah, and also, yeah, it's a mix of experience knowing like what I'm doing in terms of, it's not like it's my first store and I have to make money on, on the first day because obviously I have money in the bank. I also have experience, but I also have a roadmap to, if I get to the point where, you know, it's technically losing money, but we can prove that we can grow the fuck out of it. Then I'd probably just go and raise a load more money with investors, which is which I've already planted the seeds for, and that was always like in my head a potential roadmap. If it starts well, if and when it starts scaling aggressively, mm. but right now it's just putting the first card down the table. Right, the first three weeks at this point, it, there's clearly a market for it. The reviews have been genuinely good. We sold like what I don't know a decent chunk like a quarter of the stock I had or, or more I don't know what that is um, and yeah it's starting to ramp up like the numbers look decent and I'm confident I can scale the fuck out of it but the next step is do the first three months because I think that's a solid period to have actual data from mm. I think going on to the you saying raising money again in the future which is like a key key thing you want to kind of do moving forward um, what, what are the metrics you're building now that investors are going to look at in the future and say yeah this is right so we're going to you know put in a fuck ton of cash to take it to the next level yeah like the main thing and I was very intentional with why I did one product and why is it a subscription product and why it's a early market all, all these like tick the boxes in terms of like you know potentially raising millions off investors and taking it like fucking athletic green scale which has always been mm. the plan so yeah the main thing is like LTV to cut because like if I can prove that hypothetically my CPA is 30 quid at you know we spent a million quid we've got whatever that is 33,000 customers at 30 quid but it's not profitable technically because they're all paying for one month of 40 quid but actually if we know that people would are likely to stay for three months then we can spend more on ads up front mm. then to plug that cash gap you'd go and raise a bunch of money I mean, and that would be the perfect scenario for an investor to say I don't know let's put two million quid into it and scale it to like 30 million run rate hypothetically mm. Because if, if you can prove that the customers are there, you just need more cash in like the interim three to six months before they become profitable and they're subscribing, then that's, it's like, it's like a SaaS company, yeah. basically. Well, we so were talking about, it, wasn't it? Like they have a, the, they wouldn't spend like 800 pound on a, on mm. a customer because they know it's going to, they're going to make their money back kind of thing. Well, that's quite a mad stat. It's like yeah. pretty high for SaaS companies. Yeah, obviously right now it's a bit early to say how long Dons are going to stay, like customers are going to stay. Because mm. if a customer stays for a year, say average 40 quid, call it 400 quid a year, then you could spend 300 quid to acquire a customer. 
But obviously, if they're only paying 40 quid in the first month, you'd have a big gap between those two things. And that's where raising money would be very sensible and makes sense. So, yeah, that, that's kind of the main thing, like the LTV to CAC, really. LTV to CPA, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next question. So, being in business with close mates slash brother, what's your take on it? Well, I, I've, I've never really... I've always been like a solo founder, but I, I did... I did have a business with, with Ollie from Saw with us and it didn't go very well because, I mean, it was complicated because we we're at different stages in life and shit and mm. he was a good mate, which I don't think helped. I think it can definitely work. I think it comes down to just being self-aware. Like, I think you, like need, you had the gym thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for, for context, my, my previous venture before this, I had a gym account that I had, I co-founded with uh, one of my best mates, grew it to like 125K on Insta. Um, and then yeah I've built, built a new brand since then um, but I think one of the key things I learned from that is it's very hard to well we were at uni at the time like it's, it's pretty hard to stay together at all times like you need mm. to be almost in the same room to like yeah get shit literally going quick yeah um, and I mean besides that just in general I think you, you definitely need complementary skills so like in a business, for example, one person charges the finance side, one one person charges the creative side because they're two completely different but complementary skills because that's what's needed in a business kind of thing. Yeah, I just never met anyone where I thought I needed them, to be honest. Mm. And yeah. Like jack of all trades kind of thing. Yeah, and probably as well, like maybe I'm just, my character, I'd rather just be in charge of everything. I'm kind of the same. It's like there's like, a stubbornness. I just wouldn't work with a yeah. co-founder. Maybe when I'm older and, and it's like, I don't know. I think that there's element, it's like perfectionism because you always think you can do it better and it's like, it's a yeah. blessing and a curse because obviously, ultimately your vision is what pushes the, the business forward at the start um, but that perfectionism aspect is, yeah, it's a curse because you find it difficult to release control and, you know, releasing con- control is freedom and that's what everyone wants, so. Yeah, I feel like now to be fair, it's kind of the perfect scenario for me, like I'm still in charge, I'm still the founder which is maybe an ego thing but now I have other shareholders and wise people that have given me money and you know elements of their brain power to help me scale this thing. So for me, that's like the perfect balance between obviously not co-founders, but they also have a vested interest financially and emotionally in the business. And I didn't have that before, but now now I have that. Granted, it means I own not one hundred percent the business, but I still own the vast majority, and I'm still the only one making the decisions at this point. Yeah. Do you so want to talk, talk about a smaller slice of bigger pie, that that um, approach to what you're doing now? Because it's, it's, it's very different to what you've done previously. I think it's interesting because... Yeah, I mean, basically, and again, it just comes comes from experience and meeting people that have like, like actually made like massive money and like few of which have been on the pod. Um, and they did not own 100% of their business. And, you know, one of them owned not even 50% of the business. And yeah, like... I would rather, you know, hypothetically in five years have even like 30% of a billion or even 300 million or even 100 million mm. than 100% of what I nearly had two years ago of like, I don't know, five, 10 million or nothing, worst case, when it goes wrong because you haven't got the right backing and people helping you make decisions and shit. So I think that's an, just a bit of like a maturity thing, like realizing I don't need to have 100% of something because if you just look at all the best all the biggest examples of like successful 
startups, broadly speaking, but then specifically like e-com brands, probably very rarely does the founder own 100%. I'm like, I, I, why do I need to own 100%? Like, mm. As long as, like, I'd, I'd like to be like recognized as the founder and the guy that made the thing. And, and you can still be that even if you end up earning 10%. Yeah. But I reckon like when when it gets, yeah. when it's like eight figure level, it then becomes a game of people like how, what what people are going to drive the business forward and what flaws in the business are like what, what what yeah what flaws do you have in the business that you can fill with you know someone else who's an ex- expert in that field and you're not kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I think everyone. I think it's hard to have that mindset when you're like eighteen or even twenty or whatever. But I think when you've done it, done some shit for a while. And works out what you're good at and not good at then yeah you just recognize that mm. you probably have a much better chance of being successful and being very successful at a large scale by having a slice of a bigger thing rather than all of a smaller thing yeah i do think it's a bit of a tangent i was thinking at the start you do kind of need to be good good not great at everything to get started like there's a big, yeah. the big difference between good and great but you know, when you're first starting out, no budget, and there's a lot of questions about how much budget do you need. Yeah. Realistically, you're not going to have thousands to put in. Maybe you do, but like most people don't. If you're um, interested in getting in the space, and yeah, you, you know, there's so many components. Then you, you need to have a, a good kind of creative eye for what converts on paid channels. Um, you know, does the website look aesthetic? Is that going to convert? Mm. Like finances, are you, are you look tracking everything on a granular level because so many fees and shit you just don't account for. Um, there's so much shit, and yeah, at, at the start it's good. It's good because you are a one man band, but you learn the trades of everything that make a business work. And then as you grow and you get more money and you you start to have more cash to put into other things, that's when you can offset it to people who are better than you in the, in those fields. Yeah, I honestly reckon any Don that's been in the trenches for like two or three years minimum is like way more equipped for the world broadly of just business than probably anyone that's gone to uni and got a business degree. Yeah. Or even like potentially even a fucking MBA. Depends what scale you've got to. Yeah. Because you just see so much shit and have to get equipped in so many areas. Mm. Like even just basic shit that's really boring even like men- people mental people don't realise how many skills are actually required just to even be relatively competent at, at building something online yeah so there's a mental toughness to it as well because it's like a game of who gives up last realistically it's like it you know it takes a lot of willpower to stay stay doing one thing for a year plus like let alone three years let alone people like Jimmy who did his had his brand for nine ten years or yeah. whatever it was and then it compounds though because obviously confidence comes from it what's the term confidence comes from experience yeah, like, yeah. it's fair if, yeah. if you if you see that it, it can work to a level yeah and then another level and then people around you do it to another level mm. then it's like well obviously it's gonna work it's just a matter of time agree with that i always had the analogy when i was kind of at the start it's like once you see the light at the end of the tunnel that's what gives you the kind of it it, it, it basically just shows you that it's possible and you can sometimes take other people's light at the end of the tunnel so like if you see your best mate or yeah. something do well or people in a close circle like someone does well they act as some level of inspiration that it is possible whatever and you can take that and then yeah but there's definitely levels to that shit like now that we've grown our businesses like we see people who are on an even bigger yeah, scale yeah you get so access to the next level yeah yeah and it, it, that never stops as well like I realise mm. that and you, you listen to these billionaire podcasters yeah. or whatever 
and they, they, it never changes. So like I recognise that now, and I you know I, I'm I accept that. But yeah, it's just a constant yeah. game. Yeah, it's like certain guests we've had on were telling yeah. us about the hanging out in Dubai with billionaires. Yeah. Who to them are the equivalent of them to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then For there's real. probably some fucking that billionaire is probably hanging around with Jeff Bezos, who's the multi-billionaire. Yeah, legit. Not that it's all about money, you but seen like that, the, the levels to the game. The video is like that. The, the guy in the car looks up at yeah. the fucking helicopter or some yeah. shit. Yeah, there's always the next thing. Yeah. Yo, fellas, quick one. First bit of promo for the pod. You may or may not have heard, I released a fucking e-com course a few months ago. Basically spent like six months making it because I was in between businesses, as you probably know, if you follow my shit. I must say, 12 hours long, it's fucking quality content. I was going to drop it at like 1,500 quid with some bullshit guru-y webinar and all that rubbish, but as you know, it's not my main thing. I'm working on a new brand right now, very, very fucking much in the trenches, which is why I think it's actually a better course than everything else out there. It's built on real experience of my brands in the past and my current one. I think it's super, super valuable. If you're interested in e-com, you're already in e-com and you want it to get into ecom zero to one starting a brand from scratch then definitely worth investing in link is in the bio of this video or podcast spotify apple music wherever the fuck you're listening or watching and enjoy the rest of the pod what's your must-haves in a product when you're looking to build a solid brand around it uh repeat purchase potential how much competition is too much differentiation potential etc i mean i literally never even thought about any of this until i started working on the most recent brand which is Space Goods and that, that's after like fucking six years of doing shit so like previously and I've said this before on other podcasts when I started Midnight and previous shit I just don't even know there was, wasn't much logic to it it was just like maybe it was instinctual and I didn't think there was logic but actually it was like initiative or whatever but I didn't really think about it but yeah I guess for Space Goods yeah I mean I literally sat down six months ago whatever it was with a completely blank slate and said what boxes do I want to tick knowing what I know now mm. one of them was massive gross margins so like 80% plus one of them was subscription potential so i.e. consumable the other one was I want it to be fucking small and light so it can ship easily and not give me the headache like Neon Signs did mm. the other one was I want it to be a market where it actually feels early and it's not massively saturated yet even though I don't think saturation is really a problem mm. but I just sum up about mushrooms I looked around there's literally no brands in the UK doing doing it at least not the way I want to do it so some in America so it ticked all those boxes and then like the psychedelic element was like controversial and part of the strategic narrative I guess like you know this could be this if this happens so therefore mm. the business could like even if it becomes massive as a supplement brand which it will then there's we're not even tapped into the next level of what it could be so like yeah, probably even more now since I've launched it. I think, fuck, I guess for me at least, it's definitely like the perfect product and market. What What do you so, reckon? What do you reckon are the most challenging aspects of? Because uh, you've obviously reverse engineered everything. I think you're in a in a good spot because you you have the hindsight of knowing how your other brands operated and what the metrics were, margin wise, and what the you know the fact that Neon was shit to ship because it was so yeah. heavy. Like you've got on paper the perfect brand but like what what would you say the challenges are if there are any like there might not be well the first challenge was fuck I've spent six months working on one product if if this product doesn't have appeal mm. it's not like you can fucking release another colour tomorrow I mean, do you know what I mean yeah. it's not like we've got 200 SKUs and one of them's a flop it's yeah. one SKU so it either works or it doesn't so that's the first thing but that was calculated anyway mm. That was more like calculated, calculated risk, I'd say. But yeah, it was your intuition is way better now, just because you know 
the market. Yeah, I suppose like the, the other risks are maybe it's easier to for a competitor to copy it, but then at the same time, I think it's actually way harder in many ways because it takes months to develop a product like that. Yeah. Whereas a neon sign brand can rip off a website overnight, which happened many times. Same with like jewelry, to be honest. Mm. Like so fucking competitive, so replicatable. Every product looks almost the same with every brand, regardless of what any of them say. Mm. I think so. high barriers to entry becomes a big perk when you've been running something for a while, let's say, or you have access to capital to invest in a product that's not already made already made mm. because then you're taking yourself off the whole alibaba aliexpress scene and it's not something that someone can just drop ship it's something that's been made yeah. it takes eight plus weeks to build and there's a high moq that most yeah. newbies can't afford to all these like tiktok and yeah. twitter fucking I see the same shit drop some, shippers do not have the patience to develop a product for six yeah. months seen like not make money on it five ads today of some shark slippers or some shit yeah. there's, a, there's a winning product for you there's all these fucking, yeah all these fucking shiny object syndrome yeah dons from like so many of them yeah like, I think, they all think they're ballers but the second their product dies they don't not everyone but yeah I'm just throwing shade on certain people in my brain right now I think in my, in my experience from, from my brand which I won't reveal today but um, we'll get I, that. yeah well I think you get at the start you kind of you're just grateful for what you have something's working it might not necessarily have all the metrics that make the perfect business on paper but you just make it work like you know yeah you do everything in your power to keep the momentum going and then I think the next stage is is getting a better product that has close affinity with better metrics so you kind of use that starting product as a proof of concept in a niche and then once you built that up you build up a customer base you get this compound um this compound effect of you know having a customer base you can sell to again with this new product that you make in the future which has the basically everything that you said like with the higher barriers to entry you have more capital to invest in a bespoke product you know like that's 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 i think the most realistic route for a lot of people but like now because you're in a spot where you've done a lot of shit you have capital you can make the perfect business from the get-go because you had you had the capital to do it and the, yeah. no, and the knowledge to make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Let's look at some other questions then. Advice to a 17-year-old starting e-com, pretty broad one, I'll let you lead. <laughs> I feel like these questions are really fucking hard to answer because I'm not 17 in this current e-com climate. But I think the first thing, well, at 17, you're probably in school, just fucking start something mm. like even if it's and it will be the shittest website in the world start something and know that it'll be shit that's honestly like the first thing I think the second thing would be like just join as many like free online communities as you can that's probably discord more than facebook groups these days yeah facts it's moving just on. like because that's what i did i wasn't 17 but like at like 20 or whatever and just start speaking to like-minded people because one of the biggest challenges you'll have is no one around you probably gives a fuck about ecom and then you become you might think that you're doing the wrong thing whatever but yeah just join loads of free groups mm. and I'd probably say watch YouTube for like three hours a day and then get on Twitter it's actually it's, and just it's, read shit I just had a thought you know like the whole thing of if you don't have mates who are in the e-com scene like back in the day with you for example you don't you don't have a lot of people doing the same thing as you because it's quite unique yeah, like everyone no goes one. down the business route but the fact that you're indulging in so much e-com e content they become your like 
your close five people yeah. who make you do you know what I mean so it's like at the start yeah like online mates yeah like you literally have to go all in on just understanding the game and you can get that through fucking pods like this like the fact you're 17 and asking questions because you're already in this sphere of e-com like you're in the right place and it's just a case of getting started and yeah, like five years doing from- God's work on this this fucking pod <laughs> yeah all for free as well <laughs> that's why we got sponsors <laughs> someone's got to pay the bills mm. yeah that's definitely the advice it's too you can't really give more specific on that because it's too broad yeah yeah but I think that's just solid it sounds obvious but yeah. it actually is the case and and yeah like, just another thing like ignore anyone that fucking says you can't do it which is like the other side of re- join all the positive shit but also block out all the bullshit which yeah. there'll be a lot of more around you physically like Don's laughing at you fucking school bullies that are yet to get a full time job at KFC after school all that sort of stuff because that does happen in like, very blunt yeah. terms is don't take advice from anyone who's not in a position that you want to be in it's like yeah. financially exactly and, yeah exactly um, which is sometimes like you know when parents aren't as supportive mine mine were like I'm not hating on my parents but you know if they say you can't do it this and they're not in a position you want to be in it's like why would yeah. you listen um this dog is a disgrace okay uh, <laughs> so podcast puppy yeah what uh what gives you the drive inspiration um to do what you do and where where do you create ideas I think we touched on this, but we were... That's kind of two questions. I don't know. I think the first thing, what gives you drive, I honestly think that's like, you either have it or you don't. Like to an extent. I suppose that initially, yeah, I just always knew I wanted to, when I was like 12 years old, I knew I I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like, remember, I didn't even know what entrepreneur meant back then, but I knew I wanted to do something. I always felt like the odd one out, which probably everyone does, that actually does cool shit in the end to an extent. And then, yeah, I guess like drive recently is because I fucked up the last business and it really pissed me off and I felt like I had a lot to prove. But that's more circumstantial. But like the baseline is just knowing what I'm fucking, knowing that I want to do something different, knowing that what I'm working on is what I'm good at. And and then, yeah, I guess ultimately wanting to build something massive and and have a legacy because it's not just about fucking making money online. I think it probably starts with that. But yeah, I'm not that guy that wants to make a bit of money online and disappear to Bali because I know a lot of people are and they pretend they're not, but they truly are. So yeah, how about you? I forgot the question to be honest. What was it? Oh, what drive? What drives you? Well, that, that's the, that's the first part. So, so well, answer that first. Well, we, in the, in the previous pod, I, I mean, I've always been like a creative. I'd say like at heart, I've. I've used to make similar to you mm. used to make home home movies be all into that mainly because my dad was so into films we used to w- watch films together basically and yeah, yeah and it's just like those little things that happen in your childhood that create this butterfly effect of me doing that made me want to make movies and as a result of that make better movies do photography and fucking anything related to creative shit really like in that field learning photoshop and adobe premiere literally when i was like 16 17 and then taking that into the gym thing that i did and editing is ultimately what got us to like an all right following but yeah i used to do like these muscle anatomy things that were like uh kind of 
no one was doing it at the time. That's what made us viral and basically just grow fucking 100k in like a year. Um, but yeah, mm. those 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 traits compound, and then now it's like I'm I'm directing a movie to the world, and we've discussed this. We yeah. have the same thing. I literally feel like my brand is like my live movie that everyone's watching. It's fucking yeah. sick. I love it. Yeah, it is. That's the cool thing about building a brand. Like I've watched back that 80s fucking film we did for Space Girls like 15 times. Yeah. Because I'm actually just fucking amazed how sick it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was the second part of the question? Which uh, kind of where, two where, questions? Yeah, uh, inspire, uh, where do you create ideas? I, don't know. I honestly always have a ridiculous amount of ideas. Mm. And then I guess over time you get better at curating those ideas and choosing which ones to actually fucking work on. Because I, I, I was not the here's what I'm going to do at 18 and work on it guy. And I know a few people that are and I'm very jealous. Fucking, I've had like seven econ brands. Like a few. <laughs> That's a lot. Like one that did six figures, one that did seven figures, one that did eight figures and, and burned. And now obviously, now the no, one's going to do nine come. figures. But that's a lot of different brands in different spaces. I, I just have a lot of ideas. But yeah. yeah, again, like, is that genetic? Is that... I think an element of it, an element of it is genetic and like baseline... Yeah. creativity work because I've always just been a fucking weirdo like, I like <laughs> had just a lot of ideas and shit yeah. but I, then it, but then it's also the confidence to act on those ideas yeah because everyone's got ideas and they're actually very worthless yeah it's like yeah, it's weird it's like a case it's this nature nurture debate it's like you must have consumed something different to other people to have better ideas than them it's like what is why why I, rainbow dust uh, yeah for, I should like, have put product placement I forgot to put it in <laughs> we'll uh, do it in a break yeah. um but yeah, I think it, it also depends. It depends on the brand you're running as well, because like if it's a if fucking consumable for for mums, like you're not gonna do a, a rap video for for content. Like you're gonna curate it to yeah. be tailored for that demo. So I mean, it's everyone's dream to create a cooler brand because then you're actually doing cool shit that you like. But ultimately, like you know, if you have a brand that's not cool but it's making money, you're still gonna make it work. Like it's just that. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Um, me me personally I, I get a lot of inspo just from I suppose music videos and shit from an editing point of view like there's a lot of so that modern there's modern edits like in all the mm. rap videos and shit like that um, following following the right people on, on Insta I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit weird I follow like uh, these Photoshop accounts because I'm always amazed like how much shit I don't know from the, these things that I used to do that took way longer than it should have and it just gives watching those guys do shit it gives you ideas because it's like very a lot of graphics and even with you and like the whole space aspect like you might follow it might be an account with space related animations yeah, I don't really know to be fair and yeah I don't know probably like, comes from a million different sources doesn't it mm. and like I follow a lot of graphic graphics accounts yeah because, yeah, I mean, you definitely, you probably get influenced by, like, shit you've seen and people you've met. You, you don't even realise it necessarily. Because, like, yeah, like, I've travelled a, a lot, met a lot of different people from different places, seen a lot of different businesses and shit. <laughs> We're counting down like, the days till we see a, a gradient packaging, aren't we? <laughs> For your, someone ripping your space because shit. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. I, yeah, I don't know where the obsession with pink comes from. But I've, I've just always been naturally drawn to that. Uh, there's, maybe there's like some scientific reason there's maybe well, some Hong, shit I saw Hong Kong like or, was, or Tokyo 
Yeah, but I was into it before. I mean, maybe properly obsession started then, maybe, yeah. Mm. I don't know, like, when you just click with something, like, aesthetically. Yeah. And, yeah, that's always been a constant, like, the whole pink nighttime vibes for me. Yeah. But it's definitely become more intense recently. Like, I was in a shop today, <laughs> sorting out a certain pink dial watch, which <laughs> might be on the next episode. Because <laughs> no one's wearing a fucking pink dial. Yeah. Especially not one from retail. That's a fucking MK watch, I've yeah. seen one. <laughs> Right, go um, on. Yeah, next question. Who are your okay? Yeah, who are your mentors or people you follow? I think you go. I've got. I've got to take on this, but yeah, you go. Honestly, I would never say I've had a mentor, mm. but I definitely followed a lot of people. Like back in the day, I literally used to follow like Ben and Lewis from Gymshark. Back when like that was like super young, just because I had an interest in and followed like, other brand founders probably like just following brand fan people like Gary V fucking Guzman remember Christian Guzman yeah, yeah Don's like that just like people doing cool shit online I probably followed yeah Guzman was an OG yeah Matt Ogus yeah that's that's, that's old school shit yeah yeah I, I used to follow those guys a lot um, I, I guess mentors maybe in like recent months I've kind of got people in my life that I would consider a mentor to an extent because they've like invested in the business and shit but that's only now when I'm like 26 so I, d- I don't know like I guess other people I would guess even just mates and people I've met along the way have been like you, c- you could say were mentors in a way because you share ideas and shit mm-hmm. but never had like a formal one or anything like, I, I don't really get where this like glamorous idea of a mentor comes from it's very like Americanized it's literally what like, I was about to say it, it's the like, same what? I feel like it's on the same level as entrepreneur I hate saying yeah. entrepreneur because everyone says it it's like everyone says oh, I've got I got laughed at in Sarah House the other night which is very mean finally got a fucking membership because I said to that girl, oh, you weren't there. It was with Tyler. Uh, she, she was some drunk girl said, and I knew before I answered, I literally said, you're, you're going to laugh at this because we're in Soho House where yeah. everyone that isn't an entrepreneur says they're an entrepreneur, but don't even get me started on that. Mm. And she said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I build e-commerce businesses. She was like, ha ha, of course you do. Like thinking I was lying, but whatever. I didn't really <laughs> yeah. care. But yeah, it's just funny. Yeah. yeah I, I it's become a meme. Yeah, it literally has. I think uh, the reason I don't like the word mentor is because ultimately, like, you want to you want to build relationships rather than like because the, the people that I consider mentors that all like that other people other people would consider mentors based on the context of scheduling in an hour and just catching up on the business. Like, they become mates. Like, you want to be mates, not fucking mentors. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it when one you definitely earn your stripes when you have some history to what you do because then you become like a a lot more interesting to other people and that's just something that you build over time like you can't shortcut that like experience breeds connections really yeah credibility yeah and uh yeah i think paying paying for mentors is like it it is definitely a a good thing but you want to be really specific with what you want to know because it's like I think uh, I heard an example it's like you're not going to go to the uh, Tim Cook or something and just ask yeah. him something because he's he's operating a trillion pound brand or trillion dollar brand whatever mm. it's like he he's way above what level we're at now so you want to find someone who can answer the questions that you have and just be realistic with yourself about what you want to know and who's going to solve that yeah I think in summary the way to get mentors if that's what we're calling it is fucking just 
yeah build an element of credibility and just fucking meet guns and, yeah. ha- and have strategic sends with them <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm going to call it and, and a strategic send, TM by the way. Shit. Yeah, it's a term that I coined and put on Twitter the other day. I don't know what the exact definition was, but it's the, the act of getting very drunk with people of high power, influence, or intelligence to strengthen relationships and break down socio-economic work-related <laughs> barriers. It's actually facts, though. I've just made that up on the spot. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's what it is. Someone's got Urban Dictionary that and yeah. then send it to you. And it yeah, basically, yeah, meeting cool people mm. in like borderline work session scenarios and getting to know them because oh, no one wants cool. to fucking mentor you if you're a virgin and you can't speak because <laughs> there's so many yeah. honestly there's so, there's a few I'm thinking of I won't name them that watch this podcast oh, and stuff and message me and they're just it comes across so like forced and fake what, and yeah. just when, be yourself and fucking share your vision and ideally something you've actually done and yeah. that's probably the main thing mm-hmm and then you attract people that because people that have made money and like are older or whatever yeah usually like there's only so much pleasure they can like fulfillment they can get from fucking buying houses like mm. they want to help the next generation of like legitimately high potential entrepreneurs and shit and yeah. that's where they they get a lot of fulfillment from that so build yeah put yourself in those positions I think realistically if you founders or the positions that we're in we, we you, you drop the corporate facade because you've got no one to please so it's like if someone else yeah if someone's acting too professional to you, it becomes unauthentic because you know that's not reality. I, yeah, like I literally swear on every single call I ever have with like people I've never met. It's like an icebreaker. It's like, look, chill. Like, it's, I literally it's, say like, I don't give, like, some of the contacts is, and some of them will be like, oh. Yeah. Because like, they're, I don't know, some sales exec for 3PL, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of similar. Yeah. Um, so when yeah. you've never been in the corporate scenario, the corporate world, like, you just, you tend to be more who you are, I yeah. think. Because oh, yeah, you're not used to any politics or whatever or rules. Yeah. Um, next question. Uh, Come here. It's from the same guy actually. We've got quite a few entries from him. Uh, top three important thoughts you took from all of your podcasts. Important thoughts. What like t- top three tips from the podcasts? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, top, oh, Christ, top. I'll try and freestyle that. Um, what from my guests, I assume. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, a compound. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm assuming that means like what have I learned most from guests. So I'll try and choose three. Yeah, maybe like your top three favorites. I know one of them because we fucking talk about it. Yeah, all like time. number one is probably building the strategic narrative of your business or brand. And, and again, I don't think that's applicable to like dropshipping. Well, it's not applicable to like early stage mm. dropshippers or whatever. But like, if you're trying to build a business to get like filthy rich from a big exit the strategic narrative and go watch Alex Packham's episode I think episode 22 or 23 sold his business content cow I speak about that a lot in that and yeah I think that's the first time I've heard that concept and I've not shut up speaking or thinking about it since so that's the first one number two is probably just massive success actually takes a lot of time so even if you worked on something for like two years which is ironically the longest I'd ever worked on one brand like how the fuck are you expecting to get a hundred million pound exit in two years it doesn't basically doesn't happen like ever I mean there's probably three cases it does go watch the hair burst episode to, to, to reference that with Jimmy yeah. I mean I'm just picking out probably like the highest tier episodes in my mind at least and then third third a probably general theme that has maybe come from everyone I reckon is 
ultimately don't even start working on something unless you're genuinely passionate about it and would probably do it for free regardless of the financial outcome I think that's the third thing because it would if you don't actually care about it you fucking will give up that's what it comes you down to reach yeah. your first hurdle basically that's what it always comes down to that like I said earlier it's like it's a game of who gives up last and it, you know, if you literally like if you think about that it's just true because you give up at the start you're never gonna get the end goal that you'd be looking for and then ultimately the longer you play the game like the more you get out of it yeah the better you get yeah um, so yeah I think probably those three but go and watch the whole of every episode and you'll probably learn something and you'll, you'll get my watch time and engagement up as well so that'd be good uh, okay next question what are your thoughts on building a brand in a market you don't care about slash don't align with um, but has a lot of opportunity for a new player I personally couldn't do it and I said this a billion times but I know people that have done it and it probably comes down to you like if if you're not going to get bored because you don't care about it when shit gets hard then fine but I think statistically you probably are more likely to give up or not succeed if you don't care about yourself I just can't see how that's not the case I think another thing that does like doesn't make it boring is if you're in love with the process rather than the actual kind of brand itself like you know I know people who are in niches that they don't necessarily like but the process of making it the best brand possible with the resources they have and their just creativeness to bring ideas to reality it's the bringing ideas to reality that creates the most fulfillment yeah and I, I get a lot of that as well so it's like a mixture of cool brands slash fulfilling your creative needs yeah I think just fucking being self aware because it's different for everyone but just don't lie to yourself like I could not run for example a women's skincare brand even if you guaranteed me that it was going to make me like a billionaire I mean maybe I could yeah but a subtweet on that is actually referencing Ezra Firestone which is a perfect example because he has Boom yeah which is 14 year old woman Boom Boom yeah which has fucking smashed it to be fair it's 100 mil plus right maybe yeah probably. I think it is yeah so for him he obviously just likes the process more maybe but yeah. I've always just built shit that was actually for me and I liked but yeah there's no right answer on that yeah definitely um, I know when I first started out I wanted to hear kind of what the metrics were behind ad spend and shit I think it is quite useful so when you're first starting a brand what is the ad spend on your I suppose nowadays every structure is different but yeah in general what's the spend first week let's say it may be different now we don't have to get into the was he asking me well yeah in general and I think I think you're a good example because it's a modern day version of like what needs to be done on Facebook to get it to the next level kind of thing so so what's the question so like the your spend on Facebook like how how what what is the the spend in your first seven days? We don't have to go past that, but like for the first seven days. Well, the first seven days, I had an ad spend limit of one hundred ninety two pound per day because it was a new account, which is a realistic which is fucking bollock. Yeah. So the ad spend was whatever one hundred ninety two pound a day yeah, for seven yeah. days, which was like enough to get going, but obviously not enough to like test and scale. And, yeah. and now that that ad spend limit is off, so it's a lot harder than that. But yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I think um, 
it's very it's actually very well I say it's very easy to scale on a different position but it's like once you have the it's proven creatives first and then from there it's just pretty much CBOs and cost caps and shit and that's just the easiest way yeah, to scale yeah I don't even know what that shit means anymore I'm not in the ad account luckily but yeah, I, obviously I have enough understanding I yeah just, yeah yeah I just, I'm not I'm I'm the conductor these days rather than, than the musician. Yeah, that's, that's a, what I'm trying to be. that one as well. But I'm a conductor that had a past life as a violinist, so yeah. I have context. Yeah, I do think it's important because you're you're in a different stage where you you obviously have the capital to offset your media buying to an agency, but like probably I don't know eighty ninety percent of people who are watching do all this shit themselves. Yeah, that's an interesting it's, debate in itself, though, because. I still think even if you borderline can't afford it, you have a better chance of success giving it to an expert than trying to do it yourself, unless you literally know what you're doing. Yeah, that is which interesting. Most don't. There's a deal to be done with any agency or freelancer or whatever. Just fucking pay them on performance and just, I don't know, yeah. tell them that I mean, you can't afford to pay them, but you can't run the ads yourself and there's a win-win situation potentially. That is an interesting point. I, I always offset... Uh, I always outsourced Google from the get-go. I think that's the easiest Same. thing. Same, I never ran Google. It's always the easiest to outsource because I think the actual cost is cheapest versus like Facebook and everything else. Or, or just Facebook, which is obviously the main engine. It's more reliable, typically. Yeah, but like I don't, I'd always get charged like at the very start, it would be like a grand dollars. Mm. And like that's, Facebook is normally like two or I don't know. Mm. So yeah, at, at the start, I, I'd definitely say... Google, uh, yeah, it's just so subjective. Me personally, I, I outsourced Google from the start, did Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat for two years, maybe, yeah, two and a half years. And then like now I'm offsetting it and it's actually so blissful because, but yeah. it, it taught me a lot. And it, it even, you know, I, I'm glad I was in the trenches in the, in the account because it just teaches you the process of marketing and like CTRs and fucking cost per click, all, all those, all those terms that very new starters won't know about. Yeah. It's, it comes back to the jack of all trades things where you need like a, a bit of understanding on every component of a business that makes it shit work. With, yeah. But then ideally you, you, you offset it to a media buyer and that's like the position you're in where you have the capital to do so. Yeah. And also have the context having spent millions on ads myself and yeah. multiple agencies. So like, yeah, I'm a weathered, weathered sailor in that in that respect yeah so I, yeah i know what i'm looking for and i understand what they're talking about even if i might not yeah. understand exactly how to execute it in 2022 yeah if i was doing it myself for sure hard things finding a good agency very hard <laughs> click the link in my bio <laughs> um to a potentially good agency but yeah all right i'll try i'll find the next question i guess uh just off the top of my head while i'm looking difference between brands and drop shipping i've definitely seen quite a few good ones in there by the way but right, yeah, I'll look, yeah, brand branded uh brand, like a brand versus a drop shipping store you're taking it like if someone's doing drop shipping now how can how do you recommend they go to the next level and make it a brand well f fundamentally the difference in that conversation is to clarify in my mind at least drop shipping is all about and I spoke to Greta Van Riel, right? And you know, she's like famous in this space, like four years ago. Is that the one uh, with the at strategic send? Oh yeah. Her and Nathan Chan from Founder Magazine. I distinctly remember this conversation because I was dropshipping back then, and I asked her when I should move to branding. And she said, "It's like four years ago." 
in Australia, no, Barcelona. And she said, drop shipping is, is stacking, branding is compounding. And I was mm. like, all right, cool, yeah, I get that. And basically what she's saying, yeah, like drop shipping is all about how much money can I make now, you know, until it stops working or the product dies. Branding, I guess, is what I'm doing, you know, putting a shitload of money into something that's probably not gonna be profitable that soon, but you're building an actual unique proposition in a market and you're creating something from scratch, which is way harder to do, but way more valuable to a potential buyer. And that's how, you know, you're not gonna sell a dropshipping store for a hundred million quid. It is mm. not going to happen. You're probably not gonna sell a dropshipping store for a hundred grand either. Very, yeah. very rare. Even if you hear these stories, most of them are bullshit. But yeah, everyone everyone should get started with dropshipping. That is category, unless you've got loads of experience and loads of money. It resets the clock on But it. I think a good way to do it is start a store and then see how you can pivot that to a brand over time. 100%. Which is what plenty of people we know have done. Yeah. Including me, right? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like, I think that, so I think like, that's the ultimate solution. Yeah, it actually is. In terms of roadmap from nothing to something. Me personally, like, you, you learn the ropes from dropshipping, spend a, however long doing that. For me, it was like a year. And then once you get a very good understanding on all the components that make it, like, make it your, your store, if we're talking about stores, work then it's about what products can i add that make the brand more valuable and how do i make these customers loyal to the brand and yeah. then you then you start looking at return customer rates and customer experience because that influences return customer rate and like everything is about product quality customer experience just having a operationally sound business that can grow and is attractive to investors and then you know you might get investors to put money into the business and then all of a sudden you're running a fucking eight, nine figure brand. So like, that's ultimately the, so the, the journey um, for a lot of us boys in the space right now, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. Stop chewing this. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's just an easy one. <laughs> Have you ever had an ego death? <laughs> Five grams of shrooms alone in a dark room will change your life for real. Nah, I, I have. I've never had an ego death, and yeah, I also you, yeah. How how yeah? That, that's a crooked question, given it's a public podcast. Um, it's quite. I mean, Mike. It's quite funny seeing. Well, not funny, but it's just interesting seeing Mike uh, Tyson's take on it all. And I, I personally don't. I don't. Yeah, really touch an it, ego death. For context it is something that's commonly referred to as when you take a very large amount of a psychedelic substance and you basically well as he says lose all sense of self and ego and you become almost like at one with nature mm. that's the general gist i haven't gone that far to be fair myself um yeah so yeah no <laughs> not yet yeah. i'd definitely love to explore that level a bit more maybe yeah uh, next question do you think entrepreneurship is something you are born with or develop as you grow I genuinely think it's 90% born with and I'll tell you why because I have a twin brother mm. and he is categorically not an entrepreneur no matter if you put him in a room give him 100 million quid he would not build a business how similar was your upbringing exactly the exactly same exactly the same really? went to the same school borderline went to the same uni before I dropped out same city different unis do you have the same friend group or not yeah oh really fucking hell yeah so I genuinely believe it's largely, largely genetic. I just can't see how it's not because I don't know. I've just seen so many examples that illustrate that. I.e., my brother is is the most obvious one. Mm. But then, like friends and 
I guess there's an element of maybe when you get a taste of something working and you get around the right people, then you can kind of train yourself to have that mindset and view things the way an entrepreneur would. Did your brother row? Yeah, but he wasn't as good as me. <laughs> he did all the same shit. He copied me. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm convinced it's largely genetic. Yeah, I, really I, am. I think at the same time, it comes down to like fundamental traits because going back to the not giving up, giving up thing, that's discipline. And so like, if you're, if you're not engaged in a sport or something at an early age and you get these discipline traits that you carry over into business, which is fucking a, a, very, a big, a big part of business, to be honest, like taking your, your previously, okay, I've lost my train of thought. Like the shit you used to, like, you know, at the gym, for example, mm. like that was, for me, that was my, that's where I got my discipline from. But for you, it's for ro- it was rowing, and it's different. Yeah, but then I, I also know people that were elite level junior athletes, student athletes, current athletes, do not have an entrepreneurial bone in their body because they're incredibly disciplined, but they just they could not ultimately create something for themselves from scratch. They yeah. just just couldn't. So that's where I think it's interesting. I mean, I think maybe the best entrepreneurs have both. They're like genetically an entrepreneur, or have the traits that become an entrepreneur. Yeah, I guess, and I guess. have like the experience in life. I maybe sport, being brought up a certain way, hang around the right people. Eventually, that makes them like ultimately the, the top level killers. Yeah, it's nature, nature, nurture. I think it's an unanswered debate. It's very yeah. subjective. Like in your case, it's from your perspective, it's genetic because your brother's not the same as you. I think it's larger genetic. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely the starting point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is an interesting right. one you're gonna like this one because you can talk about your fucking 5k PBs and shit uh, current daily routine including building the brand plus current running and training yeah to be this fair this guy has been fucking I've, I've got ridiculously <laughs> shredded recently I don't, I don't even know where it's come it's happened in like the past month um, but he's seen veins for the first back, time yeah right? looking back to like the Iman episode for example I was a fat fuck well, I actually wasn't a fat fuck, but like, I was two stone heavier, and relative to what I look like now, I look what's like a piece in, of shit. What's that in kegs? I was like ninety three kilo then. No, sorry, more. No, way more. I was like ninety nine kilo then. Now I'm like eighty seven. So twelve kilo. That's like bang on two stone. Yeah, I mean twelve kegs is quite a lot to be fair. But yeah, I suppose my general routine hasn't really changed much. But I suppose my routine generally is like work from like eight a.m. till four p.m. Kind of like deep work whatever you want to call it like lunch somewhere in there then I have my training period basically in the day which is between like four and six and now that looks like I'll, I'll sprint two kilometers to the gym at like flat out pace which by the way is way harder than running at the same pace for longer on the way back because I'm not warmed up then I train for an hour I generally I've started I do weights and I was doing a lot of like crossfit style like circuits in the gym I've sacked that off since I started doing running so I basically do like push, pull, push, pull. I don't really do legs because my fucking chiropractor told me that my spine's fucked and I run a lot. So yeah, I'll do like push on a Monday, but I've started whacking in calisthenics at the start of a session. So I'll do like pull-ups and shit. That's only recently. A standard like push weight session. Mm. Always push it really hard. And then I'll run like 5K back from the gym with my gym kit on, with my bag and shit. And that recently has just been like the ultimate fucking pair. I've like found the pair that works for me. Mm. Like weight training, like as heavy as I can, a bit of calisthenics 
and running like 7k a day routine is so good it's just a routine yeah. and then at the weekend I mix it up a bit like today I went on the track and did a load of shit normally I'd do like a 10k run and maybe gym as well yeah. or just a 10k run and I basically haven't, I haven't, haven't had a day off recently in terms of like weekends but good, good habits, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a good routine but I mean I've definitely been drinking a fair amount like wine and shit which to be honest I, I, I think that's like a little vice of mine and I don't think there's massive I think wine's alright like it's not like I'm necking pints and shit it's getting a balance really like I want to not drink yeah so I, I don't know I feel like I, yeah it's like an optimum balance and everything really like I'm in probably the best shape of my life like aesthetically and cardio to an extent probably on par with what I was when I was like rowing yeah like I ran a 17.30 5k the other day with a bag on after yeah, the gym that's, that's actually filth that's like, filth I was shocked how quick that was reads David Goggins book once I read David Goggins book honestly that made a difference and then I ran a 38.40 10k but that was like a month ago here is voice in your head and shit 37 something soon and yeah I've just I'm trying to be aesthetic and functional and it, it definitely training like a fucking savage like I feel like you have to earn that every day mm. and when you do it it always makes the day better you look better you feel better you feel like a bad motherfucker mm. and <laughs> and th- yeah, it, it it affects every area of life. Like yeah, your confidence, your you're, you're he- looking back. I'm actually ashamed at like the shape I got in last year. I, I mean, I wasn't in bad. I was still going to the gym, but I think it was it was the lack of cardio, which I was this, had so much of when I was like a teenager. This was neon stuff. year though, right? Yeah, I was just stressed and fat. I, I mean, I wasn't actually fat though. Like I still looked alright, but like compared yeah, to yeah, why yeah. I am now, yeah, I, 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 I look like shit. Even my face, like the face is the biggest difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't believe it. Like, how the fuck was I even getting girls? Yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah, 12 kg is fucking, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight. So, na- yeah, now it's like a maintenance thing. I think Diet's in- been on point, though. Diet is 70%. Like, like we don't even Jesus. have shit food in this house, so it's nah. impossible to eat crap. Which, which is a life hack, by the way. Like, refrain from putting anything shit in your cupboard that you know you're going to binge on. Yeah. Like, ultimately, if you have healthy cupboards, you're going to eat healthily. It's like, literally, it's so simple. Literally, all I eat now, pretty much, apart from like going out for food, and even then it's like steak or whatever. Yeah. Is what? Like, huel, fruit, frozen fruit, rice chicken steak yeah, yeah, yeah and then like yogurt like natural yogurt that's literally it like but i enjoy it it doesn't taste bad like yeah when you get into a routine that's like enjoyable i, I also think it's healthy having some sort of vice that isn't too wine is de- my thing I yeah suppose. it's not too detrimental but it's like a you feel like it's a treat and then that kind of levels you down from yeah. your very strict lifestyle from a health perspective and then you have yeah, that yeah I don't track calories or portions or anything I just yeah. fucking eat what I want I am but to be fair at the moment fucking I beat yeah, the party I mean for me when I'm, I'm, I can just tell like when I'm training like a mad motherfucker at least in my head yeah and I eat what what feels right yeah yeah so and then yeah I guess after the gym I generally work for like another three or four hours or whatever go to the sauna and yeah. that's like a day sauna's a life hack as well sauna's huge yeah, if you don't come Have out of the sauna the with at least one new idea, then you've done it wrong. Yeah, it's actually so true. <laughs> um, all right, advice for another advice question. I guess it just allows us to go down tangents, but um, advice for a 16-year-old entrepreneur <laughs> running a digital marketing agency. Fuck it up for a start. Yeah. Who the fuck are your clients? Yeah. <laughs> if you're 16, no offense, but is that harsh? Um, I mean... I don't even have to advise on that. I mean, my advice would be why are you running an agency if you're 16? Because you don't know anything about running ads. 
I mean, well, maybe you do. I would find it hard to be credible at 16 if you're offering paid services to clients, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think... But I've probably just ruined that kid's dreams right now, so let's just pull it back. <laughs> no, I think there's. it's very easy to see, like... It's hard to seem authentic when... Because I'm sure you got a sales pitch that you probably got from Iman or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, like people can because at the end of the day you're talking to founders and like what we were saying earlier about the whole corporate facade thing like if you've got this whole professional sales pitch on, pitch on if it was me I'd see straight through it and it, I'd literally like tend to stop like it's not not worth my time listening to some yeah, fluff yeah he hasn't given any context on if it's going well or not which is yeah. why it's hard to answer but my, my, my gut instinct would be how is anyone signing up as a client if you're 16 because respect is like major respect for getting involved oh yeah so def- definitely like, definitely I, I reckon at that eight at, at 16 it's more a case of learning the ropes and like you're in a very sick position to do that because you're so young like it's like yeah like, we always say if we were if we were 16 or 17 knowing what we know now then Jesus like where would we be five years on aka where we are mm. like sitting here today well more diff- than five years for me fucking ten years yeah um, more than five years few years yeah I'm just, I can quit math mate um, alright well off from that I guess what, what's next for Space Kids I guess let's, let's go back on uh, is there more good questions on there not really to be honest I swear there was some about girls in there we've got to get some weird ones in let me have a look uh, I swear but I'll answer that then we'll go I'll find some shit so what, what's next in terms of how you're approaching the next level of scale based on stock being a problem yeah etc now it's like the first car's down the table there's clear demand for it it clearly works there's evident good performance on a lot of ad creatives so the first step was building out like ad, like creative systems because when you've got one product the only variable really is the ads and creative so I've kind of nailed that to an extent so now it's just doing that and giving it time stock is another massive one so i'm figuring out how much stock i can get so we can scale potentially to like three three to five hundred grand a month in like the next few months which i think we can do so yeah ultimately it's pretty fucking simple it's just a case of putting the shit in place that allows me to then put the foot to the floor on like ad spend and scale so again i've done it before and it's just a case of executing it and taking off any teething issues which there have been like a few like issues with like the 3PL you know noting down any early customer complaints or like consistent themes that need to be fixed and shit mm. but it's intentionally a very simple brand there's one skew right now and there probably will be for at least like the next six months even though I have other shit I could launch I've decided to just focus on the one product scale it and like hypothetically why couldn't I scale to 100 million revenue with one product in my mind that that's possible the, the, the actual the only lever right now that's preventing uh, larger scale is stock and when you're a stock based business shit it actually is very hard yeah it's frustrating yeah because like you feel like there's so much in the tank to scale but ultimately you gotta have you have to strategically spend so that yeah, you exactly. don't run out can't, quicker than you can't just yeah think about the front end of the business like spend more spend more spend more more revenue yeah, which is so easy to do yeah, it's like you just chase the it. numbers and like you have in the past and i think you've learned yeah. from that but like it's fucking yeah it's tough yeah don't scale just because you just because you can scale when you've scaled everything like the customer yeah. service the stock the cash flow and when you know it won't affect the other areas of the business that are just as important aka customer experience and 
I mean, product quality is just a given, but yeah, yeah. customer experience ultimately, which if you're in the dropshipping scene is probably something you're not like too focused on right now. Yeah. But then, yeah, the switch, it, it's the difference having a drop, you can earn some quick, good cash from dropshipping, but then the long-term cash, which is ultimately made in the exit is only achievable from a brand. Yeah, so. 100%. All right, crooked then. Uh, Let's do like three or four or five tops more. We've done like an hour. We've done like an hour. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll we'll go on to this one. What What are the top three traits you look for in a partner? Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to answer this. Just to change. Yeah, I feel like you wanted this to come up. Uh, nah. Stash future future GF. Also, what's your take on dating apps? So two and one. It's, it's quite an interesting question. Phil. Yeah. Christ. Um. I mean. Yeah, like I think, like with anything, you build experience in relationships and with with like dating and stuff. Like you literally get better at it and understanding, like mm. what you're in it for. You know, what's normal, what's not, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I learned a lot in my previous relationship, and I learned what I what wasn't going to work for me long term. So the first bit, like for a girlfriend, I mean, an obvious one, which I didn't really realize in the past, was like just for me, like even things like you know, just having shared interests. Like I couldn't be with someone that was not interested in their health or, you know, mm. eating clean or working out. And I might, that might sound flippant, but like when I was with someone that wasn't that, they reflected on me massively. And I lost like that habit, which was such a good habit. I didn't lose it entirely, but now it's like I'm in a much better healthy place. It's like I want someone that was going to support that. So that's like the first thing. Well, let me just add to that. Like with, what would you say their role is in when you're building a brand and it's fucking like trenches spec how do you feel like a girlfriend would impact that like negatively well, positively that's a different question I think yeah I'm just kind of adding to it because it's, it's very relevant it's I think like, it can I, I definitely think you can have a girlfriend to be an entrepreneur I, I don't subscribe that you know you can't be in the trenches with a girlfriend mm. because in many ways you know but I think they would have to understand what your priorities are yeah if, if that's that is a priority normally and, understand so I guess maybe, yeah. maybe that's probably the second point actually for a girlfriend they would have to respect and understand my ambitions and however that looks that doesn't mean you fucking can't spend any time together but but for me maybe that means I don't know we only hang out on weekends like you know that my priority during the week is trying to scale the fuck out of this thing because it's what makes me happy blah 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 and it's also going to potentially give us if we're in a relationship a better future life whatever that is so that's probably the second thing like just understanding you just spilled wine on me just understanding what your ambitions are and and in the same way I would expect them to understand I don't know what they want to do and shit so that's probably the second thing I don't know I think the third thing is just being fucking attracted to them like actually like on a deep like spiritual level because Mm. which like I don't know I I think there's a big difference between just like thinking someone's fit and like fully fancying them, like on like a personality level, physical level, like just like mental level. So, and, and being like, being <clears throat> like in uh, emotion, not emotion, like fucking mentally stimulated by them. Like shared emotionally, shared emotional Yeah, just being on the same page and like fucking yeah, getting yeah, each other yeah. and like fancying each other because yeah. that is massively important. I think trying to get across the priorities thing is probably the hardest bit because it's like, we- we're so wired towards the business orientated goal that it's quite it's it's quite hard to i mean i i would i i would like to have i i wouldn't mind i think it's a lot of pros having a 
a really nice girlfriend that fucking that it almost feels like it's not possible because it's so rare like <laughs> fucking really fit girl yeah. that gets the vision <clears throat> it's really good for me in terms of like healthy and shit I'm on the same page that'd be really nice I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all but yeah. I think it's hard to find because it just is which leads on to the dating yeah. app question yeah. <laughs> start yeah uh, well I don't even know what the the thing was uh, what, what's your thought on dating apps what's, I mean, your, what's your take yeah I'll keep it pretty yeah. brief but like yeah I've used dating apps loads over the years like fucking everyone has what's your favourite Palm <laughs> no I probably used to use Tinder when I was in uni then I used Hinge a bit I genuinely don't use them as much as I used to because I'm just I don't know like I don't know, like, I, grown out of more it. quality over quantity in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and like, maybe I've just grown out of it and, not grown out of it, but like, like it's less exciting to fucking go on a date with a girl now, want, unless like, I'm you, really into them. You want an organic coffee shop meet? Yeah, you? I would love that. I would love an organic, yeah, like, I don't know. I've, I've dated plenty of girls over the years. Some <laughs> of them have been good, some of them haven't been good. Some of them being, well, one of them was a long-term thing. Most of them weren't. Some yeah. of them went on a date and never fucking spoke to them again. Like, it is difficult though because we, we, we've spoken about this before. It's like, although the ideal organic meat would, would be the, the, yeah, best, like, not, the best scenario, we're in a, a modern age where every everyone is on... I think it's past the point of dating apps being cringe and weird. Like yeah. it's not, it's almost literally have reality. To be. Especially post-COVID. We're not having to be. That, that pushed that progression along. Yeah. Instagram's a dating app as well, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's probably a bigger dating app than... Hinge or Tinder, like to, yeah, to an yeah, extent, actually, yeah, it just, might start on Hinge or Tinder, but like anything that comes from those usually, you know, yeah, develops on like Instagram and shit. And Tinder's a uni app, to be honest. Yeah, like it's definitely for the, the nice. It's very uni oriented crowd. But, but yeah, I mean, in summary, I think dating apps are fine. I I don't see why there's any difference. Ultimately, meeting a girl on date on a dating app, supposed to meeting them in a coffee shop, because at the end of the day, if you meet them on a dating app, you're still going to meet them in person at some point. Yeah, and and, and that's when like you know you either get along and you like each other or you don't. Mm. Like the dating app's just the initial contact point, which in many ways you could argue is better than like a nightclub or a bar because you're probably sober and you you know there's expressed mutual interest. So I don't see the problem with it. Although at the same time, I would 100% much rather meet you know my future wife in a library or a coffee shop well like a, a more a slightly more organic setup yeah I was going to say something else I'm not going to say it on camera he knows what I'm going to say yeah fucking hell we're nearly a, a bottle deep as well he knows yeah. what, <laughs> um alright so uh, have you thought about entering retail stores I know you, I know you might touch on it can we get more philosophical questions or what we've just been speaking about girls but you want to talk about girls? No, but we want to talk. Is, is there no more like philosophical nah, ones that aren't business? Not, why don't you look, have a little look? Because and just well, I mean retail stores. I mean the topic. Quick answer. Yeah, I I would definitely like to do retail stores for space goods. Um, but probably shit like Selfridges or Whole, Whole Foods or whatever. Yeah. More than like fucking Tesco or Waitrose or anything like that. I've heard the, the payment terms on retail shit is so like weird. Like 90 days or whatever. Yeah. Like 180 days. Yeah. And then uh, you're literally fucked unless you have investors. Yeah, yeah, and even yeah. if you have investors, you're probably quite fucked. Yeah. And right. I, I heard they like squeeze down your margins because they say like, we, we can take you off the shelves anytime. So like, you know, yeah. we, we need it cheaper or you're off kind of thing. They have a lot of leverage over you. 
Well, I've got a question. Not a question, but we need a full potty about Consalvio's story. So are you going to share your story and current brand at some point? And if not, why? Interesting. Short answer, yeah, eventually. Um, a bit on why I haven't already is a good question. I've never been never been public about anything. Like My Insta is just my life as it's been because I went I went to uni built the brand like in final year uni so it was a kind of behind the scenes thing but just obviously documented as if like as most people do on Instagram just normal shit trying to implement more e-com related stuff now I think like I've got to the point where e-com is such a big part of my life it's like why would I not document it because like that's ultimately who I am and like mm. it's where I'm destined to be because going back to that film thing I've always been interested in making shit like I'm I'm at a point where I'm literally making like what I've always kind of wanted to make um but I suppose like the in terms of being a, being in a position where I can like commit to a process that I love anyway not getting too cringe on that but yeah I'll, I'll do it eventually I think I've I suppose a little a little teaser always been in the growth hacking scene um, the gym account definitely did a lot for me and that it wasn't like a meme page gym account by the way it was like a personal brand more type thing with, with my best mate learned a lot from that you realise that there's an underworld to absolutely fucking everything and there were these like telegram groups and shit that I got exposed to when I was 16, 17 and just seeing that at such a young age and realising that there's there's this underworld to social media I guess in, from a growth hacking perspective I never looked at the world the same like it's pretty deep but like, I literally I knew going on to LinkedIn like, I'd, I'd, I'd had like a LinkedIn bot that would when it when it wasn't a thing because it's now it's mm. everywhere but I like, literally when it first started I was already on that made a LinkedIn bot agency was learning some peer uni from that like I've just always been growth hacking and I was just like I've kind of growth hacker yeah like I, yeah I, I kind of put that I'd I, Take, I took that title recently because I was looking back at the shit I was done. It's like fucking hell, yeah. I have always been in the social scene, just trying to grow shit. Like maybe not completely authentically, but that's the one up. Um, and by authentically, I mean like like bots and shit to send messages and just all that crooked shit that ninety nine percent of people don't know about, which I personally find very interesting. But yeah, I mean that's 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 enough for now. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get into it in another another pod. I'm sure at some point. Right, there's one question I noticed here. When we invite Andrew Tate on the podcast, his success on every possible area. Well, Andrew Tate did reply to my tweet when he was in London. He just left on his private jet, apparently. So I'm sure he'll come on at some point and it will fucking break the internet. Mm. So if he's watching this, if if anyone's watching this, just like fucking tweet him, like remind him. Because I'm sure he's in London probably quite a lot. So that's one. Um, One question actually was maybe quite interesting. I'll ask you. How do you find London to live? Inspiring or hard to focus? Oh, mate. Which I think is, um, nah. I find it hard to even see how they sit at the side of that. It, it, dep- it depends where you start because uh, I grew up like near Watford, so like kind of con- in a countryish area. And going to London was just a completely different environment. And uh, obviously, you and Fred were here. Like, I know Fred from school, but. Um, yeah, I knew like the next step was to be in my own spot with with my mate Connor, who was also an ecom, and uh, yeah, we had a place together. It was like a it was a big, not yeah, kind of risk I guess at the time. It's like 
paying London prices for a new pad like at the time it's just it's a it's a big decision to make but also the best decision I've ever made in my life like now being in the position and when when we hear a lot of people say oh like your network's incredible blah, blah, blah. it's because you put yourself in a position where like you have access to a network like if you're still living at your mum's place mm. in my opinion it's very hard to get the same level of exposure to these fucking cool dons who've done shit because they're not in their mum's place mm. do you know what I mean like yeah, <clears> I, I think if, if I honestly think if you even think that moving to a big city is a net negative then you're like big NGMI energy like yeah. I just I don't I don't see how that could be a negative yeah London's lit right I mean I, I guess yeah some people prefer to be in a village and like by themselves and shit but it's just not for me mm. Solid. I'm trying to see if there's any more. Maybe one more question. How, how long we? I done? did just notice scrolling along here. You took a picture of, of a <laughs> um, pure gym or whatever it is promo, and <laughs> they've spelt they've spelt your wrong oh, on way. a piece of promotional marketing, which which is just our ultimate irony. In it, sorry, it's, it's it's the gym rather than pure gym. It says everything about that the as a gym, brand, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Because you're amazing. They put Y O U R. I was going to say instead that's of my you are. That's jokes. I've seen that before in a gym like that. They actually spell their own marketing shit wrong. Just oh. fucking hilarious. Um, is there any solid ones? I mean, maybe not. Maybe you can pick one, but if not, we're like one hour 15 in anyway. Yeah, yeah. We can do another fucking one next time. Yeah. Because some of these questions are pretty shit. <laughs> but Yeah, to be honest, we're almost better off going down our own tangent of like everything. <laughs> maybe in another one because we're towards the end now, but I guess, yeah, big things coming for Space Goods. It, it provides a much better platform to talk about shit because now you're actually doing a lot of the process, which before was just a waiting game. So you're waiting for stock to be ready, brand to be done, people to hire that would make shit work. Like now you're actually doing all that. It's scale time and yeah. it's very relatable to maybe people who are in a similar spot and want to take their brand to like X amount which you're heading towards whatever so yeah and I'm just putting a lot of pressure on myself by speaking about it publicly which is yeah very intentional and I, I know I can execute again I've done it before so yeah and then the same with the pod like I've decided to take the pod more seriously because fuck like why am I doing it if we're not going to at least try and make it like one of the biggest in this space if not the biggest yeah and 100% I think it can be as well red for wine, sure pink lights real talk yeah hopefully people like it I now need to start yeah actually leave a comment if you have any guest suggestions because mm. get all the fucking fellas listening to the pod helping to grow the pod yeah because that is the hardest thing right now I mean I need to hire someone to do it but yeah I've like rinsed my immediate network to an extent that there's a few more big episodes coming that people have probably been waiting for but yeah if you have a guest suggestion or whatever just fucking leave a comment or DM me and we'll try and make it happen have you got any closing comments before we wrap up we can do uh, another Q&A next month isn't it yeah I mean I quite enjoy these to be fair I think the first one is like the idea of just speaking normally about shit was like I don't know on camera it's just a bit weird but ultimately we're regurgitating our conversations we have on a day to day I think actually living was this, going back to like your surrounding environment being being with someone who's in the in the ecom space or or whatever you do, um, and being able to bounce ideas off each other is actually 
so much more beneficial than you can imagine. Um, like we both, I think we both, you know, done a lot in this house since we've been here. Triple S program. Yeah, triple S program. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, might start posting some more shit on the Insta, so I'll plug shamelessly. Yeah. Uh, All the boys building personal brands, yeah? Yeah, at, at Consolvio. Where the fuck's my blue tick, eh? Mate, we'll get it. I'm, I'm actually, I got scammed again the other day from some cunt trying to get me a username. I'm not going to comment further on been that. Been scammed but twice now, bud. Yeah, I've been scammed twice. <laughs> Waiting for that bloody blue tick. <laughs> Send the check. If anyone's yeah. got a blue tick plug, fucking yeah, DM up. me. Don't scam me. But yeah, as usual, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, decent little ep. Subscribe to the pod, share it with a friend, all that usual shit. We are growing, but I need I need to slap this thing to like 10k subs plus ASAP. So I've been sat at like 3 to 4k subs now for a while and it's pissing me off. Um, but all good things take time. As we know, it's like bamboo often. A lot of growth under the surface and then, it, then it, it'll explode. Um, yeah, drop a comment with some suggestions, what you think. And cheers for watching. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.